0: Welcome to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast,
1: an ongoing conversation with ministry leaders about embracing complexity and uncertainty with joy and faithfulness. Hello, friends. This is Jennifer Watley-Maxell, and I am here with my friend and colleague, Dr. Jamie Edie chisholm She is actually the founder and loss navigation specialist at Thoughtful Transitions, LLC. And she and I have been acquainted um, through social media over the years. I follow her work. She does amazing work with helping individuals and communities navigate their way through grief. And I'm sure like many of us before the pandemic, grief was an episodic thing that I dealt with when I had a specific loss, normally a loss of a person or something, but it is definitely something that I have become more intimately aware of personally, but also just in terms of the needs of my community and those that I serve. And I'm going to go ahead and be transparent and say, I've also come to realize I don't even really know you know, how to process grief and what grief is. And so I thought, you know, having Dr. Jamie on to help us kind of navigate some of that would be great. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah. So first of all, why don't you just give us a little bit of information about what you do in your company, why you founded it and what you're bringing to the world uh, through your company that you founded?
0: Yeah. Thank you for that question. So I call myself a loss navigation specialist. And that could be grief counselor, grief coach, chaplain, minister. It is someone who can be present with people individually or as communities as they process loss. The thing about that is that there's loss all around us, right? You already mentioned loss of, say, family members or loved ones. But dreams, divorce, detours, there are so many other kinds of losses. And so when I founded Thoughtful Transitions... It was my way of giving the community the space and time it needed to name and lament, but also to develop some tools that can help us through all of our losses. And in some ways to create a space that says, listen, we don't have the answers for all of these things. And that's okay in this space, too. So Mm -hmm. that's why I founded it. And originally I did a lot of death work because I'm also a death doula. So that's a a certain kind of loss that people go through. But I now see death in so many things, death of relationships, death of jobs, and death of mobility, right? Some of us, our mobility is changing. So I really founded this organization to be in the community with us as we navigate every kind of loss imaginable in our lives and to do it with some compassion, equity, and hope.
1: So I love that. And one of the reasons why is because I have come to realize just as a leader in my community that I don't know how to do this work. And so knowing that there are people out there who can not only help me to navigate my own losses, but help me as a leader who's trying to be faithful to my community And I think that's one of the things that we as church leaders, pastors, you know, a lot of times we realize we don't have the capability or the knowledge, but we may not know where to go. So I really appreciate you founding this ministry and I really appreciate the work that you're bringing, particularly now more than ever. So I think the first thing I want to ask is specifically, what is grief? We use these terms, grief, loss, death, and Some of them may be more obvious than others, but I think a lot of times when we say these words, we don't actually know what they mean. Uh, When I think of grief, I think of a feeling of loss, but I don't know if that's actually it. I don't know if it's more than that or less than that. So why don't we just start with that? What is grief?
0: Yeah, great question. Grief is our reaction to our perception Of loss Mm. and loss death related and non-death related Mm -hmm. now let's go just a little bit deeper it's our reaction it's psychological emotional it's somatic it's our body how we feel in our bodies it's something that we feel sort of emotionally Mm -hmm. but it's also something that we feel right even deep down in our bones Mm -hmm. and again grief is just that how a person responds reacts to any kind of loss And I think before people always thought death, like big mama died, uncle died, church member died, deacon died. And now, no, it's this relationship ended. Mm -hmm. And so what happens to you mentally, emotionally, what happens to you somatically Mm -hmm. when you have a loss? And so when I think of grief, that's how I describe grief for the people that I serve.
1: I love that definition because I feel like it opens up for us a way to name and even to see and understand what we may be feeling and experiencing in our bodies mentally, emotionally. I was speaking with someone recently who was talking about having challenges going to public places like the grocery store, places like that. And as we started talking, what I started to become aware of is they were dealing with a sense of loss of safety in public places that as this person was now going into the mall or going to the grocery store or even coming to church, that they were more aware of the possibilities of danger. And so not feeling safe where they had always felt safe was becoming very challenging. So based on this definition that you're giving, this is a loss and that there's also a sense of grief that goes with it. So I really appreciate you giving that because again, I feel like it gives us room where we can kind of anchor in. So now that we've kind of established what grief is, in terms of us navigating grief, do we go by the stages of grief? Is it just a recognition? How do we even begin to kind of get our arms and minds wrapped around this idea of grief?
0: Yeah. So I have to say at the onset, I am so not a big fan of the stages of grief conversations, right? Mm -hmm. And not because they don't make sense, right? But because- Those original conversations were being held with people who were dying, Mm -hmm. right? And not necessarily those of us who remain. Yes. And also those five stages became so popularized, but Elizabeth Kubler-Ross actually talks about 12, 13, 14 or more stages, Mm -hmm. right? So I try to help folks understand, let's scrap what we know about stages, right? Because Mm -hmm. one, your grief is individual, So even though it's a universal feeling that we all go through, it's also very individual. And how we start is first by being able to acknowledge our losses, right? By being able to acknowledge our own humanity and that our stories matter. Mm -hmm. So I think if a person knows that what they consider, right? Remember we said grief is our perception of loss, Mm -hmm. right? So if what I perceive as a loss is important then I need to one, be able to name that. And then what I call reconnecting to my emotion because I have been socialized. Many of us have been socialized not to feel right. Especially in faith spaces. Yes. As we're recording this, I'm thinking about the fact that think about some of our holy holidays in our Christian faith, right? Good Friday the trauma and the grief and the pain of good Friday. Many of us don't like to sit in that. Mm -hmm. We don't like to sit in the sadness of the Holy Saturday. Mm -hmm. Instead we like to rush, right? Resurrection Sunday, he got up and that's great. But for us to really process and navigate grief, We have to be willing to sit in that pain Mm -hmm. of the Friday night Mm -hmm. in the silence and the pain of the Saturday. And so some of what I say do is one reflecting, having space to name our losses, reconnecting to our emotions, recognizing what's happening in our bodies as we grieve. Mm -hmm. Let me give you this example, especially based on what you said about the person who realized they had this loss of safety. So imagine what this loss of safety has done. Right. And so that person may feel uncomfortable going out into places. Well, that might isolate you some, right? Mm -hmm. And so now that you're isolated, you're not getting the touch that you need, Mm -hmm. right? Because we do need touch to live, Mm -hmm. right? So maybe you're not being hugged, Mm -hmm. handshaked, or kissed, or whatever kind of physical contact we need. So you don't have that. Mm -hmm. That can do something to your body. So if you don't get out as often, if you're not touched, you don't thrive as well, right? And so now that you're not thriving, what happens to your body? Perhaps you develop some inflammation. And what does inflammation do? right? causes pain in the joints. And so now your shoulders and your ankles and your hips are hurting. Right. And for black women in particular, that might cause inflammation of the scalp. So you have hair loss and now Mm -hmm. here's another loss. Right. And Mm -hmm. so now you're grieving that. So all of this is connected. We start by being able to acknowledge and name and in faith spaces, opening up space for our congregation and community to feel safe and not judged as they name their
1: losses. Mm-hmm. And I love that you name that ability of a place to feel safe. And going back to the point you made about sitting in losses, I am reflecting on Good Friday in particular, something that I've wrestled with in the past is the world is crazy and there is so much going on, particularly in the last three years. And there is this tension between naming what's happening, sitting in that, but also wanting to point to the hope, right? And wanting to leave people with a feeling of uplift. And so I do acknowledge that tension and the difficulty that I think a lot of us feel. It almost feels like to me, like, okay, if I center that, or if I sit in that too long, I'm going to take somebody who's already grieving and like plunge them deeper. Like they're going to leave depressed or something like that. And so as leaders and communities, what can you help us understand as we try to help people navigate that and the tension that we feel to, again, want to do this work and embrace and create space and everything, but also not wanting to harm people or put people in a worse position that are in our care.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Valerie Bridgman was talking to me once about informed hope. Right. Mm. And so I am with you. I don't want to sit in our sorrow and pain so long that it becomes or feels impossible to move toward or to see possibilities for joy right for love for hope but there is something critical about being able to welcome the pain and the grief in the space rather mm-hmm. than ignore it mm-hmm. so what i would say to leaders is i don't want us to stay in the pain but i also don't want us to pretend that the pain doesn't exist because then that dismisses people's real life experience right and mm-hmm. so what does it look like to be able to create a space for me to lament and to have hope because they can coexist Mm -hmm. and know that the tension is real, that you are human, that Mm -hmm. that's normal if we use the word normal Mm -hmm. for you to have that tension. And I think that tension is a good thing because that says you recognize that there's some pain here and you also wanna make sure that you give someone something to hold on to mm-hmm. so that they don't disappear in their loss. So I think that tension is good. I would tell leaders that's a good tension and do what you can to make sure that you balance both sides of the tension, right? That here's some space for you to cry and to lament, but guess what y'all, you haven't been left alone in your grief. And maybe that's the hope mm-hmm. that you haven't disappeared in your grief. And maybe that's the hope.
1: So now here's a question based on this idea of space to lament and space to have hope. If there is a church leader or a pastor who's sitting listening to this and says, you know what, my congregation needs to do this. We need to do some lamenting, what does a safe space actually look like to do that? Is it just a space where people can just kind of come in and name their Grease? Is it a worship space? Can you give us some ideas or ways that we might be able to provide that space for people to do that work?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think there can be worship in everything that we do, right? So part of creating the safe space is what are some of the things we know this space is going to need? One It's going to need space for voice, space for naming. So creating this space means one, being able to give voice to the pain and the grief and the losses that people are experiencing. The leader can do that themselves, or they can invite people to sort of share their losses in the space. And so I would say as a leader, one, be able to name the death of a loved one, the death of a dream, be able to sort of name this range of losses so that people can hear something that resonates with them because then they start to feel safe in this space. Like, Oh, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing, a space where people can feel and can express emotions. So the leader, or if you have a workshop leader, right, we'll have to be able to name the various kinds of emotions that we might feel and to normalize that. Mm-hmm. So let's normalize that for some of us, when our loved one died, that because we have been caring for them for so long, that we breathe a sigh of relief, that relief is a grief response Mm -hmm. and it's normal and it's okay. And for others, they were angry or sad. So being able to sort of name the range of feelings that we might have. And then I would say normalizing that each person's timetable is going to be different and giving people some tips some processing tools that they can take away and practice when they're home. So that's the big space. But I would ask leaders to consider doing things like three session or six session workshops where they invite their congregation and community into the space so you can do it over time. Mm -hmm. And I have found that having people process and think through and reflect over time has been very helpful in their healing journey. And lastly, I would say as the leader, being willing to be authentic and transparent in that space so that they know that it's not just the congregation and community that has had to navigate loss, but that you too are in the same boat and we are gonna make it through this thing together. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what creating safe space looks like and not shaming people for feeling like they need to be In this space.
1: So, just based on what you say, just the relief of being able to, as a leader, say, I am dealing with this, even as you are dealing with this. I feel like it takes pressure off of us to kind of be the experts. In the room, which is why I think a lot of us shy away from doing this work because we feel like if we don't have a level of expertise or if we can't come from this kind of I know it type place. But I do appreciate the power of authenticity and transparency. And I think that we don't often talk about that enough and being able to not just lead people, but to lead in a way where we really come alongside. What I also love about what you talked about is it seems to me that going through this type of process, it also takes it out of our hands as leaders, that now we've opened this grief work up to the community where the people in the community can come alongside each other. And again, I think that just culturally in our country, that's something that we don't do well. We have ways of expressing righteous indignation. We have ways of expressing anger in community. But we really don't have a lot of ways to express grief and to come alongside one another just quickly before we close out our podcast for today can you tell me maybe if there's someone that's listening that finds themselves lost in grief what is available what should they do is there a number is there a practice like what would you say is the go-to thing that somebody might try if they're resonating with this and really not knowing where to turn
0: Yeah. First, just know that you're not alone, because that's the thing that happens is we believe we're alone. And what I say to people is, I'm sure I don't have all the answers, but I can be with you as we process and think through this together. I won't leave you in your pain. And that means that if there's someone that I need to refer you to, then I'll do that. So know that you're not alone and let folks know, hey, I'm sinking over here. However, you need to say that and know that you can be supported in that.
1: That is a great place, I think, for us to end this conversation. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. So informative. And I definitely am recognizing some things that I need to put into practice for myself and for the community. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, a project of the Macedonian Ministry Foundation.
0: The Ministry Collaborative nurtures a national network of pastors
1: and congregations committed to faithful,
0: creative, and courageous engagement in their communities.
1: Our producer is Marthane Sanders. To find out more about our work of cultivating leadership that makes a difference in congregations and communities, visit our website at www.ministrycollaborative.org.